0: Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at thebrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet.
1: My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count.
2: Hey, suffering, death,
3: I feel something terrible has happened, young Skywalker.
2: The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many
0: abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever.
2: It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back.
0: You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for.
3: The we're looking for. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do my only hope.
0: Hello
2: there.
0: Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate
4: leads to suffering.
0: Hi. I- I- FC- Executive gew- Order
3: N-
4: Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Mandalorians, Twi'leks, clones, both rags and all you defective ones. Jedi, Sid, and yes, all you transdotions as well, because this is an inclusive podcast. And it's June, baby. And shout out to everybody. It's Gay Pride Month. Shout out to Big Ray.
0: Ha! Gotti! Ha! Gotti!
4: Our former producer. We love you, Ray. We miss you. Um, To another exciting, action-packed, news-stacked edition of the New new, 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 new Force Order podcast. We're a Star Wars podcast. This is episode 115. And no, we have no guests tonight. We're not talking about any more Bucketheads. Even though it was a great show last show We're going to try to knock your socks off with this one I am one third of your host I Am a professional Wrestler Current champion In three different promotions At the same Time Multi-time champion in a galaxy Far, far away Star Wars Aficionado The Greek God Papadon, your boy, G.G.P.
0: To the Greek. Greek,
4: And alongside with me, all the way from the Witness Protection Program on Exegol, it is the Sith Lord himself. Big guy. Hit him with a hey, yo, and introduce you.
1: Hey yo Ladies and gentlemen I am the Dark Lord of the Podcast The Sithari, the Rampaging Revan Kiss The Butcher Your boy Dark Spirit On.
4: Last But not least Because he's forever Number one in your heart He is the Doctor of Love But most importantly he is the doctor of Thundernomics, the medical droid with the kung fu grip who gets off on stealing your girl, but most importantly, gets off on her all over her face, neck, and
2: chest gish, gish,
4: gish, gish. while he steals your thunder.
2: Ah-ah! Introduce yourself, my friend. I am smarter than 2 1 B, more tactical than FX7. A little buzz tonight because I was drinking the god of stealing thunder. And pop done. Do you know what a droid does after having sex? No, Doc. What does a droid do after he, he or she has sex? He nuts and bolts. Dr. Destroyo. <laughs> Alex Arroyo. <laughs> Shout out to Holly Garland for sending me that hilarious meme today that I stole and, uh, you know, repurposed for this uh, intro. <laughs>
4: I wasn't expecting that. Oh, God. Very well played, sir. You, sir, are a wordsmith when it comes to the art of humor. So, cunning, cunning linguist,
2: cunning linguist.
4: You are a cunning, cunning linguist. Aren't we all, though, in some shape, form, or another? Some of but, us. Some of us, yes. But I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, we like to start off the show. And when I'm cunning a cunning
2: linguist, people. I digest. But that's besides it.
4: Wow, 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 success. We like to start this show off with a segment that sets off sweet sensations and good vibrations. It's none other than Marky Mark and his funky tweets. Yeah.
3: Can you feel it baby?
4: Now, I know what you're saying.
0: Look, it's a Transformer.
4: Now, when I talking about Marky e. Wahlberg, we're talking about the man, the myth, the legend. Mark Hamill himself, the national treasure, a.k.a. the wordsmith on Twitter. What we do is we take a tweet that this individual, Mark Hamill, and his Twitter handle is at Hamill himself. Give him a follow. Tell him the at nfo underscore podcast sent you. Let's start a little uh, a little buzz going that he knows that we are sending people his way to enjoy his tweets. But anyway, back to our regularly scheduled program. We would like to take a moment and be a, you know from from the a, a sideline. We like to admire Mark Hamill's tweets in this segment. So first and foremost, let's deep dive on what he did. We have two tweets this week that he did. That was a little ha-ha, little tongue-in-cheek. And no, he wasn't going to Tashi Station to find power converters. But let's look what he did. There was a guy by the name of At Artifacts Hub. Museum Archive is the Twitter. And here's a picture. It says a group of archaeologists discovered this 3 1,300-year-old claw of a now-extinct bird called the MOA, the MOA, with flesh and muscle still attached to it. Talking about flesh and muscle still attached to it. Hey, hey. hey we got a, spe-
2: a special run-in today by my wife, who's uh, apparently joining us. Looks a little drunk, babe. You right. <laughs> oh, she's Whoa. a lot of drunk. Well, uh, that's the show, guys. Uh, <laughs> Someone has to go get his man and on. Yeah, that's the show, guys. Uh, you can find me at Dr. Dr. I'll just go to try, uh, Instagram. You can find me plowing uh, in a second. All right, Pop. I'll see ya. Later. Uh, you. Later. Know. Doc, you're
4: back. Man, you must be working on your stamina, huh? did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's not going in. Um, Just like a buddy of mine did at the whorehouses. Anyway, what? Never mind. Um... So anyway, like we were saying, huh, this fucking show fell off the rails quick tonight, Doc. I love it. I love it! Um, at Artifacts Hub posted a tweet with a picture. A group of archaeologists discovered this 3,300-year-old 3, claw of a now-extinct bird called the MOA, M-O-A, not Jason Momoa, with the flesh and the muscles still attached to it. And there's a picture of a claw, One, two, three, four, four, four talons, and there's a lot of flesh. That's a lot of talent. Yes. Yes. And I know a thing or two about talent. What's up, yeah. Chris? So, well played. And then Mark Hamill responds to the tweet. At Hamill himself. Excuse me, but I recognize a Rancor's hand when I see one. Pop. LOD, Pop. So, he also had a tweet where... uh. A guy named Anish, A-N-I-S-H, not Kanish. Those are delicious with mustard, by the way. Uh, His handle is at Sith Shalair, S-H-A-I-L-A-R. Return of the Jedi is trending. So here's a fun BTS clip of three of the three discussing their scenes. I'll never stop missing them, meaning Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher. Then Harry, then uh, Mark Hamill jumps on and says, and I quote, Harrison would make a great director if he wasn't so lazy. Half the statement is true. Calling him lazy was false. And a snarky remark based on his well-known laid-back personality. Watch the great director, uh, the great director in teach, in oh, the great director in him teach us How to nail a laugh in this scene from hashtag ROTJ, which means Return of the Jedi. And uh, you want to play the clip now, Mr. Producer Man? No,
0: no, no. No, the floor drops away. I just go into a tuck and roll. most dangerous part of the stunt is getting out of the way of the Gamorrean
2: guard that falls on top of me because he weighs about 200 pounds.
3: That's played Um, by me.
2: I say, but these are my friends. T-P-O, tell, uh, tell them. Tell them if if they don't do as you wish, you'll become angry
4: and use your magic. Tell, tell them. them. Tell not know, gonna it's not going to work as a, a
0: joke unless we both say exactly the same thing. Tell, tell them. them. Both do it carefully. Okay. Tell, tell them. them. Can
3: I do it
2: too? No. Okay.
4: <laughs> well, Doc, what's your take on Marky Mark and his funky
2: tweets? Well, listen, like you said, national treasure. The guy's hilarious. He knows how to spin anything into Star Wars. I saw another one a couple of days ago of him uh, where it was a uh, a photo of Carrie Fisher uh, standing there in her Princess Leia outfit from the from the episode four with the gun out. And then like two churches oh, yeah, were, were coming out of the gun and he retweeted. He's like, I saw this photo and I was like, why is it funny Carrie Fisher shooting out park benches? I don't get it. And then four hours later in the shower, I said, ah, <laughs> they're pews. And there were two of them, so it's pew-pew. So, I, I love the fact that he, uh, you know, can make fun of himself, as well as his castmates, and as well as Star Wars, and really interacts with the fans as much as he does, because, you know, he's an old guy, he doesn't have to do that shit, but uh, I appreciate him. Nonetheless. When when did you like him
4: the most? Which episode? I know, uh, that's you, you, are you trying to decide a riot over here? No, I'm just asking you a simple question. Was Did you like him better in, in Episode 4, Episode 5, Episode 6, Episode 7, Episode 8, Episode 9?
2: All right. So I'm going to tell you my favorite Luke is uh, Episode 6, Luke. Okay. Followed closely. Now get this. By The Last Jedi, Luke. <laughs> Spiro, let me get your
4: take on this matter. What do you think about Doc? liking luke in the last jedi do you concur with his notion
1: my favorite luke skywalker was actually luke from return of the jedi until fucking mandalorian man until we got the luke that we wish we would have gotten in fucking the last jedi your fucking second favorite luke skywalker that luke skywalker to be honest man I'd put him, I would put him below fetal stage fucking Luke Skywalker. No, but man, to be honest, man, and this might shock a lot of people, man. You know, the problem with fucking Ryan Coxon's fucking, Ryan Johnson, sorry, fucking uh, Luke Skywalker is that he didn't do anything really. I mean, you know, we, you know, it's like, you know, fucking there was nothing wrong with with that luke skywalker the problem is you know that okay he was he, he was grizzled he was disillusioned he was this he was that he was grumpy old man luke all that was cool the fucking problem is that you know a little bit of fan service could have gone a long way towards garnering some favor for that cocksucker moron fucking ryan johnson you know if he'd have kicked some ass if he'd have had a fight scene with the knights of ren man you know you know people wouldn't have fucking complained as much about luke skywalker i mean the luke skywalker that we got in the last jedi made sense the only fucking problem is that he didn't show off his badassery you know Uh, you know I, i don't know if i said that right i don't give a fuck if i said that right because if you people can fucking accept Ryan Johnson's fucking Star Wars film. the, you can accept the way I fucking said that, okay? So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm fucking cool with it. I fucking get why that would be your second favorite Luke Skywalker, you know? He, you know, aside from, you know, the Luke Skywalker that we got in The Mandalorian, he might've been my favorite or possibly second favorite Luke Skywalker if he'd have done something other than fucking die, you know?
4: interesting uh you know sometimes the sith lord surprises me sometimes he doesn't doc wow
2: he just fucking buried me
4: <laughs> you know it'd be funny if we put the sound clip up and he puts you and over he do- and he does
2: not <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, guys we'll give you a little inside baseball uh when we ask spirit for his opinion we have no fucking idea what he's gonna say yes
4: yes 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 we don't um Star Wars Empire Strikes Back 40th Anniversary Special explores Boba Fett's origin. It's a long-ass article going over the origins of the costume, this, that, and the other. Um, Do you want to hit any bullet points? Because I'm not reading the article.
2: Uh, So there are some funny things inside there where they basically talked about that Boba's costume was initially a, you know, their initial try at Vader. You know, they were trying to make Vader look like kind of some kind of bounty hunter-ish um, Western cowboy, blah, blah, blah thing. And then they kind of went a different way. <clears throat> the initial costume had, like, you know, that, that, that lower mouthpiece that Vader has. And then they kind of went a, a different direction, obviously with Vader to make him like this, uh, this priest, priest slash monk slash, you know, knight e- knight exactly. Evil looking baddie that, uh, that Vader eventually became, but you know, they didn't want to scrap the costume that they had for, uh, they Initially developed, so they just took that costume and, and kind of you know sidelined that into Boba, which is pretty cool. Um, and I thought it was funny how they had called up Jeremy Bullock, who was like I don't know somebody's cousin on the fucking set or something like that. They're like, Hey, if you fit into the costume, uh, you got the part, which was basically you know a little serendipitous for Bullock because he went on to uh basically hit nearly every convention on the planet before he died to uh sign autographs as uh you know the man behind the boba fett mask um so it was a cool little like ditty. they showed some photos that i actually had never seen before some production some, some production photos like the really really early ones um and uh talked about some origins of you know why he had the uh, the wookie pelts on him which initially bullock thought was a hairpiece and he tucked it underneath the helmet so it can come out the back which is even funnier um It's just cool to kind of see how, like, you know, that stuff develops over time and see where, you know, our characters, who we love so much, actually, um, you know, how they are brought into fruition to the uh, to the universe, which may not be initially how we thought it was. And clearly not in this case. Have you read the Dark Horse comics where they had the
4: Macquarie original? um, The Macquarie original art? With their original character designs and the original story, and they even made sideshow and gentle giants.
2: From the uh, the white ones, yeah the uh, the 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 initial white armor.
4: Not him. but I'm saying all the characters.
2: They had like a yeah. series. No, for you sure. With Chewbacca was a big green lizard. With uh with, I didn't see the lizard one, but I know he had, he looked a lot different. He looked more kind of like. Wait, no,
4: not Chewbacca. Big-eyed like, like ape. Like like Zeb, he looked more like Zeb.
2: Yeah there was a yeah, yeah. uh, you know the the whole the whole initial Macquarie stuff was actually really cool to see the the development past that to where they eventually came um they did do a lot of merch with that because it's star wars star wars loves pushing out their merch too, despite the fact you know it's a uh, concept art that that never was supposed to be released so there's a there's a bunch of figures there's a, a star killer who was the initial luke skywalker who was basically a female um they did some some renditions of uh, the initial the look for Yoda and Obi-Wan as figures, as well as Chewie and Vader. I mean, they they went off the gamut, which I think is great, though, because I think, you know, Macquarie is is one of those true geniuses that, you know, doesn't come along very often in a lifetime to kind of develop these amazing visuals for these characters. You know, one of the hardest things to do in, in a series, like take I don't know if you've watched it, but Invincible recently. Um, loved it. Loved it. Great show. And Kirkman really took basically this brand new universe and crafted all these intricate, pretty cool, somewhat familiar tropes that we've kind of seen before here and there, but kind of twisted them into different things and, and different situations and really made, you know, in these couple seasons that, you know, they put out on, on, on Amazon Prime a really rich season yeah a really rich universe that you know that that he pulled forward from there and that's a difficult thing to do it's a difficult thing to do to to make characters that people give a shit about um and i think Macquarie really hit that hit that nail on the head when when it came to the initial designs of those characters they were so different than what had come before them um but yet still using elements of other things in in genres especially you know that samurai genre um so kudos to ralph you know and uh and his boy, Doug Chang, you know, has, has really taken over for him and really also become, you know, one of these, uh, you know, these living legends of guys who really can can develop a, a vehicle, uh, you know, uh, a planet, a scene, a character um, based off of you know, a screenplay and, and someone's description um, and Doug Chang really as like, you know, the executive, one of the executive VPs for creative, wherever he is at Disney right now, has really killed it and has been killing it for over two, you know, 25 years when it comes to it.
4: Absolutely. And you know what, Doug Chang, uh, you know, I think he's uh, executive creative director of ILM, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, but whatever the case may be. He shares a title with Dave Filoni. So um, you're not the only one who's blowing Doug Chang. And you're not the only one who's putting him over. And speaking of over, our homegirl, Fennec Shang, a.k.a. Ming-Na Wen, she herself explains how the conceptual artist Doug Chang uh, inspires her or has inspired her for so many years. And she shared a video uh, as part of the AAPI Heritage Month. So, uh, Matt, please. Insert the video clip right now so we can hear this beautiful woman saying beautiful words.
1: To celebrate AAPI Heritage Month, I want to give a very special shout out to an incredible artist, Doug Chang. He is the vice president and creative executive director of Lucasfilm and most importantly, the nicest guy. This man is an Oscar winner, an author and uh, just an incredible genius. So I want to celebrate him for AAPI Heritage Month. Thank you, Doug, for all you do for us Star Wars fans. Um, and if you want, check out his artwork in the Mandalorian art book, because uh, you will see
4: what I'm talking about. Thank you. What would you think about that, Doc? Uh,
2: all I got to say is, um, if you guys haven't realized, uh, I think AAPI is uh, American, Asian, Pacific Islanders. Uh, am I correct? I don't know. Sure, that's my guess. I don't know. Anyway, um, I thought you get that when you
4: retire. Oh no, exactly. it's AARP. Yeah. All,
2: right. All I gotta say is Ming when for a chick who's in her fifties, looks late, late fifties, amazing. amazing, amazing. Asian Absolutely. don't raisin. sign me up. Arrest Absolutely. me, Fennec Shan. Here I am.
4: <laughs> Tremendous. You know what, dude? On top of that, she we love you a, long time. She's such a geek. And a sci-fi nerd, that makes it even hotter. And on top of that, she's a great actress. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like it's just it's multi-layered. It's not just one-dimensional, you know? It's like onions have layers, ogre has layers. You
2: get it? We both have layers.
0: For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay. Um ogres are like onions. <laughs> They stink? Yes.
4: No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. You get it. We both have layers.
0: <sighs> oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody likes onions. Cake. Everybody loves cakes. Cakes have layers. I don't care. What
4: everyone likes. Well, it's funny how you're talking about how Doug Chang uh, took inspiration and McQuarrie took inspiration. And how Star Wars is just a hodgepodge of many different inspirations. Whether it's Western or Samurai-based films like the Kurosawa-inspired films. Because a fellow director that you may like, I'm not sure if you're 100% on board with him, but I am. By the name of Zack Snyder was in talks to develop his own Star Wars movie. Now, this the movie was supposed to be based on Akira Kurosawa's 1954 classic movie, Seven Samurai, uh, with the Ronin and the Katana being replaced by a force-wielding uh, knight or knights and their iconic lightsabers. But nothing. I mean, zero, zilp, nothing. Goose egg has happened in the last eight years, almost nine years since Disney's bought uh, Lucasfilm. But Snyder was on a podcast. Unfortunately, it wasn't ours. But it was the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast on MTV. Uh, and he confirmed discussions took place between him and Lucasfilm to develop the Kurosawa-inspired Star Wars movie. Um, the film would have been full circle as Kurosawa films inspired George Lucas's original Star Wars, as many know. Lucas even offered the Obi-Wan role, uh, Obi Wan role, that's Obi Wan Kenobi, to Seven as Samurai. To uh,
2: Obi Wan Sanchez? Yes. Uh,
4: <laughs> he offered it to the Seven Samurai star Toshira Mifun. Uh, but this project is no longer attached to Star Wars. But it still exists to Snyder, so Snyder's looking to do an independent film, whether it's for Netflix or another movie studio, using the same ideas and script that he initially had for Star Wars, but to produce his own sci-fi gimmick. What's your take on that, my friend?
2: Um, interesting. Uh, Snyder's, um, uh, he's a uh, you know a known commodity, and I'm not gonna say whatever he touches turns to gold because it's definitely not the case. Um, but he's, he's pretty well known in Hollywood and it's, it's unfortunate to see the franchise lose him, um, and him taking this, whatever idea he's going to have to a different venue because, uh, I think he would have been a very interesting uh, addition to the star Wars universe and potentially a breath of fresh air if they would have given him, you know, complete control over what he needed to do.
4: So you, so you're a Zack Snyder fan.
2: I am a Zack Snyder fan. Okay. They're not all home runs, but uh, he's had a he's had a bunch of good movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. So he, he did three hundred, right? He did Watchmen. I mean,
4: he did the um, Justice League, the new one, yeah. Both, which is you know, fantastic.
2: I, I, I wouldn't call the uh, you know the, the 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 original one part of his uh, his legacy. No,
4: no, I wouldn't either. But I mean, he did do BVS, yes, which wasn't which, a home run. Yeah, no, sucker punch was gorgeous, but it wasn't a home run storyline. Terrible right. storyline, exactly. I agree. Um. He did Man of Steel. Made me love it. I didn't I thought it was okay. You know, I got into this discussion with somebody about it. I think Derek Gordon on the Midnight Hustle podcast. He loved the movie. And then I told him, I, the movie was great, but there's two scenes in it I didn't like. I didn't like the way his dad died. Shouldn't have died. And second, I didn't like the fact he kills Zod. Spoiler alert. Um, But that's it. But other than that, you know, other than that, it was a different take on the character, which was different, fresh. And, unfortunately, you know, him killing Zod could have been the foundation of the Boy Scout persona of Superman after doing one sin. He has to spend the rest of his life atoning for that sin by always doing the right thing. They never harped on it. They didn't even hearken back on it. You know what Good. I'm saying?
2: Let him kill. Come on, Superman, for Christ's sake.
4: But you can't. You need the, you need the dynamic. You need the yin and the yang for Batman Man. Superman. You can't have two Sith and no Jedi. Man. Can't have no Je- two jedis and no Sith.
2: Even though I know you like two Jedi, one cup—that's another story. <laughs> that's a different story. It's a—it's a brand new age, my friend. It's all good. It's all good. Oh well, look, it's all
4: good. And sometimes the old becomes new again. Do you know where I'm going with this? No idea. Really? Ah, oh, man, you really—you really are drinking tonight, huh? Yep. Nope. I'm pretty hammered. The uh, architect himself. There's a rumor floating around. Oh, that rumor. Yes, that rumor. He's George Lucas, Uncle George, is reportedly talking or taking, he's talking to Lucasfilm, uh, about taking back creative control of Star Wars. That's the headline from Inside the Magic. Lucas has also shared that he had already begun writing his own sequel trilogy, which we know about, which would have seen Princess Leia emerge as the chosen one. I don't know about that. And would have had Darth Maul's apprentice, Darth Talon, as its villain, which would have been cool. Um, in recent years, rumors of Lucas' official return to Star Wars universe have swirled online. These intensified after he was seen on set of Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni's Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. And IMDb included his name on the uh, on the writing credits. For the upcoming Rogue One. A Star Wars story prequel show. Called Andor. On a couple of episodes I believe. Good. Now a new report indicates. That Lucas may be bankrolling. An upcoming Star Wars trilogy. Effectively taking back. Much of the creative control he lost. When sitting Lucas film president. Kathleen Kennedy. Was put in charge of the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, it is important to note. That this information remains. Entirely unconfirmed by either the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm. Furthermore, Walt Disney Company CEO Bob Chapik, not Chapstick, recently announced that Kennedy's tenure with Disney will continue. We spoke about that on the investor call on National Women's Day, at least for the foreseeable future. However, given Lucas's own comments about desiring more say in the sequels, And his involvement in the Mandalorian. It would not be shocking to see. uh, There be at least some truth. To this new rumor. The report did not indicate. That the plot. Of the. uh, Purported new Star Wars trilogy. Might be. So Doc. What do you think? More uh, shenanigans? More tomfoolery? Or do you think.
2: Could be. So. What stinks to me in this article is the fact that they're saying that Lucas is going to pony up his own money to do this trilogy. Get the fuck out of here. There's no a. There's no way Disney is going to let him do that. You know, they bought him outright for his whole property, his whole IP, his whole life's work, basically, um, for $4.3 billion. There's no way he's going to turn around and say, you know what? I'm going to dump in $200 million, $300 million of my own money to do this movie. Because then how are they going to split the profits if he doesn't own it anymore? You know, clearly, if he's putting in his own money, he's going to want to reap that backwards and then some. Uh, So this kind of stinks to me. Is he involved with things? Yeah, I'm sure he is going to be involved with things. A because it's George and he's probably getting a little itchy because of the fact that you know he sold this and he's watching it it going down the tubes right now and wants to come back and and do something. And plus, he's also you know he's he's a creative guy. He wants to get his shit in there. Um, But there's no way he's going to pony up his own fucking door for this. I can't imagine that's going to happen. What if George
4: Lucas starts starting to go fund me? That'd be hilarious. For the, sequel,
2: for the sequel trilogy.
4: Do you think yeah. he'd be able to raise a couple of hundred million dollars to get it made? I think a bunch of marks would donate
2: some money. Hey, what, like Mark Hamill? <laughs> yeah, not that Mark. Other, other marks out there. That's my guess. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that one out there.
4: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, like yeah, anything I else. Mean, just exactly. But just the fact that they're there
2: are I like the rumors. I, it, it's interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing George come back and do something.
4: Now imagine this. A George Lucas Dave Filoni trilogy directed by Johnny Favs.
2: George Lucas Dave Filoni trilogy. So they're going to write it and then Johnny Favs is going to direct it. Okay. I can see it happen. Can you say cha ching Exactly cash register noise I'm well, in You I'm got in me like,
4: I'm in like Flynn Look I mean whatever happens happens we just said that but I just want to uh I just want to make this clear We're not sequel haters We're not Kathleen Kennedy haters I we know Spiro right? Spiro what do you think Kathleen Kennedy
1: Fuck Kathleen Kennedy. Fuck Ryan Johnson. Neither of them should ever be involved with Star Wars ever again. And if that happens, I'm going to march my ass right up to the front doors of Disney. I'm going to kick down the doors. And I'm going to lay it the smack of down on both the candy asses.
4: <laughs> that sound clip never gets old. Anyhow. Nope. Um, but, you know, George did do the prequels. And in the beginning, people wanted to freaking crucify him for those. And now it's well-loved. And one of the characters he introduced w- and was Django Fett. Now, do you know how Django Fett
2: feels about clones? I think he feels uh, a certain connection to them. Not like a Greek connection when he
4: says, "Grab Ooh. your ankle, soldier. We're gonna stick to the army model. We're yeah. never gonna leave you behind." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is this: Star Wars comes so close to moving a major, uh, making a major Django Fett change in canon. Now, here's the deal: In Legends, Jango trained the Republic clones, and ensured that all the clones, from the basic infantry to the elite ARC troopers, and we so we we stated in our past episode, the ARC troopers, initially in Legends, were the best of the best, the Navy Seals of the clones. But then, in the ca- in the new canon, it's just a title, just a rank. But anyway, all these infantry uh, were Mandalorians. Jango took pride in the clones' fighting prowess, and was fully aware of their sinister true purpose of destroying the Jedi Order. In canon, in twenty uh, nineteen, there was a one shot comic called Age of the Republic, Jango Fett. He made it clear that Django cared little or next to nothing for his clones aside from Boba. 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 <laughs>
3: Get your
4: things. Get your things. We're going. Django Fett was a professional and the Republic's army was a little more than the result of one of his jobs. Django could have killed him. One of his hand jobs because he needed the DNA. <laughs> Jango would have killed his clone troopers to protect his client,
2: Darth Titanus,
4: a.k.a. Count Dooku. So, Doc, my question to you is, one, what's your take on this matter? Do you like the fact that it was changed in canon? Do you like the old one as opposed to the new one or vice versa? And do you not care because it is what it is
2: and we just move on? So much like you, Pop, you know, there are days that I wake up and I really love my kids. And there's days that I wake up and I want to beat the piss out of them. Um, so the fact that Django changes his mind for his, uh, you know, his little clonelings, it makes complete sense as a dad to me. But he didn't
4: change his mind in storyline. They just changed complete 180 of, from what happened in Legends to what it is now.
2: I do the same thing, too. It's fine.
4: Gotcha. Is this when you're drinking when you're not drinking?
2: Both, both, both. <laughs> Go get daddy your beer. Yeah. Un por favor. in the face, kid. Let's move.
4: Yeah, we don't speak French. What do you mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, wait, wait, wait. Before we we want, you want to talk about this or we move on to the next topic? Whatever you want. All right. Uh, no, it's up to you. I don't know if you want to weigh in on this.
4: Uh... Weigh in on it. Go ahead. I like no. I like Drunk Doc. He talks more. Yeah, than I know, I know. I already waited. I'm asking you to wait. <laughs> oh, you asking? If, oh, okay, got it. I see what you're saying. Who talks first? I talk first. You talk first. Um, to me, I kind of like the fact he does, he doesn't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? It just adds to the uh, sinisterness of uh, of Django. But at the same time, I kind of like the fact he took pride in his uh in his semen. And training the troops and, 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 you know, his legacy being that the clones were all Mandalorians, you know? Yeah. Because he was the leader of Mandalore in the Legends. Yep. They haven't really fleshed that out yet in Mandalore, in, uh, in the Mandalorian or in canon, but a lot of the stuff was cherry picked, um, like Just a Real and all that stuff, and him being a foundling and Just a Real being the Mandalore of, of Mandalore. So, and him being a big fighter, probably the key proponent in the Mandalore Civil War was also cherry picked. Yeah. So it's things like that. Um, I like both in, in iterations. So to me, I, I can care less. So,
2: eh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, and for me, it can, you know, just like a Friday night, it can go both ways. So at one point, <laughs> You could think that he would be happy because, you know, he's a, he's getting paid. We all like to get paid you know, for his work and people, you know, uh, appreciated him enough to say, hey, you know, let's 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 build this army on on the on your DNA back. Or he could be like, it's just a fucking job. I don't care. I'm out of here. But I did see a funny meme this week where um it was the clones landing on Geonosis um, when they were trying to save the Jedis. And the first thing one of the clones looks down and sees a head staring up at him that looks exactly like him. And he was like, Oh fuck, this is not a great place to be. <laughs> I, I popped huge. He's like the first thing you see when you land is, is your own head staring back at you. He was like shocked. Uh, anyway, I want to, I, I want to throw a shout out here. This, this is the, uh, the, the, the free plug part of the show today. Cause I promised I would do this. Um, my son's school in, in the neighborhood of Brooklyn over here had a, a silent auction. And on that silent auction, I saw an interesting item. It was a handmade, hand-cut Millennium Falcon charcuterie plate. That How's uh, the charcuterie, you plate? know, charcuterie is when you know when you make your meats and your cheeses and you put oh, them on the big right. wooden. That's
4: right. That's right. Yeah, on the yeah, big yeah.
2: wooden plate, right? You know, and then you serve it at, at your dinner party. And I was looking I said, "Wow!" I said, "I've never seen that before. That's, a, that's a pretty cool looking uh looking chunk of Falcon over there." And it was twenty bucks, right? You know, estimated value eighty dollars. So uh, it was twenty bucks at that point. Somebody had bid on there, so I was like, "Let me just throw forty on there and see what happens." So I threw forty on there, like on I don't know, like last Wednesday or something, Tuesday, and I forgot about it. And then I get an email from uh, the school saying, "Hey, you won! You know the Millennium Falcon charcuterie plate." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Uh, and it was made by one of the local dads whose kids go to the school. Like he has like a woodworking shop that. That he, he made it and he like varnished it the whole nine yards. And I'm like, awesome. So, the, you know, the guy got my number. We texted each other. He, he dumped it off to my kid's teacher. Uh, so, I want to get a shout out. The guy's Instagram handle is, uh, hold on, I just had it a second ago. I just lost it. Hey, um, Doc,
4: why don't you give him a shout out? I'm, get his Instagram handle. I got can get it. it. Here, here yeah. it goes.
2: It's a BDR, BDR underscore woodwork on Instagram. Um, and he's also BDRwoodwork.com. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, I'll show pop. You know, um, you know it's going to be part of our graphic this week. You see it? Very nice. Pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty neat. It's got like you know the 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 really thick good dark maple running right down the middle of it over there. It's you know it's shaped like the falcon. Uh, I already put my meats and cheese on already, and I also put salami too. Um, get it? My,
4: <laughs> my, my, my I, was <laughs> gonna, I was gonna. I was going I
2: was gonna say the same exact joke for you, bb too. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, shout out to uh, BDR Woodwork. Uh, he's a good guy. Rick's a good guy.
4: You know who's a good guy? Who's a good guy? Uh, Robert England.
2: You know who Robert England is? Robert England, isn't he the actor who played Freddy Krueger in the yes. Freddy Krueger series? Yes. And he's also a friend
4: to an actor that you and I know by the name of Mark Hamill. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I think he was in Star Trek. He was. The best vampire in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. You ever see that show?
2: Yeah, I've not seen that show yet, no. Oh,
4: my God. That episode with Mark Hamill is fantastic. Holy cow. All right. Robert Englund, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger, says he's responsible for Mark Hamill landing the role of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Now, that's an old story. And I don't know if you were privy to it. I was. But it's were one you? of those. Interesting. yeah, yeah. It was one of those tongue-in-cheeks type of stories where buddies just bust each other's uh, chops about. So, a little feel-good story for the fans. Also, yeah,
2: I, I was not privy to it. Apparently, um, when they were both up-and-coming actors, they were roommates uh, together. And um, Robert went and auditioned for the for the part of Han Solo for a little movie called Star Wars. And while he was there, you know, he saw the other roles that were getting you know, played and 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 uh, and, and auditioned for. And he went back to his roommate, Mark Hamill, and was like, hey, man, I I think, you know, George Lucas has got a new movie that's coming out. And I think this part's is tailor-made for you, this Luke Skywalker guy. Um, Mark Hamill has has a different take on this. He says that, you know, he had already auditioned and already had been, uh, you know, thro- thrown his name into the hat for this. No, no,
4: uh, Hold on. I'm going to correct you. It wasn't him. It's was
2: Mark Hamill's agent. Agent, yes.
4: So that he, My he, U.S. He,
2: agent shout out to uh, john walker um threw his name into the hat for this uh for this role prior to england actually telling hamill but uh england says uh a a different wise that you know he is responsible for luke skywalker being in star wars so uh, again probably two buddies busting each other's balls which i think is hilarious england is a he's another one who's a fantastic character actor and everything he touches is, is pretty much you know golden he was on V as well too, right? Yes, yes.
4: I got that all of the all all of them on DVD. I got to rewatch them, dude. I love that show growing up.
2: Fantastic show, man. That the remake awesome. not so much. Not so much. Not so, I watched it for a little bit. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's not gonna happen.
4: Um, we, we know that Luke Skywalker had a wife in Legends by the name of Mara Jade, and we spoke about certain actresses
2: that might be playing the part. Remember? We did. I know we talked about. that. The woman from um, S.H.I.E.L.D., and then we talked about the chick from Jumanji. S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, the, the chick who played Quake, right?
4: No, no, no. She wasn't married. She was supposed to
2: play uh, well, Afro. Dr. Right. Afro. Aphra, that's right, that's right, that's right. I'm getting My chick's confused as usual. The, Ju- <laughs> uh, the Jumanji chick, and then uh, Brie Larson. The uh, I, I tried to fo- willfully force that one down. That's why I remember that one.
4: Well, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, did you know, Doc, that Luke had a wife in canon? No. That is that is the opposite of Revan canon. The anti-canon? The anti-canon Revan, yes. Um, according to the TLJ, that is The Last Jedi novelization, which... Coincidentally, is Spiro's favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> right? Luke Skywalker had a wife, Cammy, and the reason why they brought it up in the book is because he had a vision while he had, of an alternate timeline while he was on Octo in isolation. He had one of those daydreams or a vision where him and Cammy were living happily together on Tatooine. Now, people make Cammy. Who the hell is Cammie? Why didn't you use marriage aid? Cammy's actually one of the girls who was with uh, uh, Biggs Darklighter. Stole the name right out of my mouth. Welcome. And, and somebody else, I think his name was Fixer or whatever it was. Yes. A, in the deleted scene of Luke actually going to Tashi Station. To get that power converters, baby. To get those fucking power converters. This whole time, I thought power converter was like a stripper. But I digress.
2: Um, so there you go now. Yeah. That's kind of weird that they would like, you know, drag this chick up that pretty much hasn't been relevant in 40, 40, 40 years. Uh, this is kind of odd. I don't know. We, it's kind of odd
4: that it's making headway now.
2: Yeah. It's like, almost like, uh,
4: intentional predictive programming, dropping a little breadcrumbs here and there that you may, you may pick up on it. So when they actually retcon something, with a wife. My wife. My wife. Then they can make a certain situation different from a certain point of view and retcon it like they've been trying to do and make sense in connective tissue for the sequel trilogy. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, thank God. Or well, basically, they're stealing our gimmick and our storyline that we proposed many moons ago. Bastards. Fucking damn it, Disney.
2: Pay me. <laughs> Pay me.
4: Oh, please pay me. Uh, anyway, more news out. Rogue Squadron, Patty Jenkins' film that's supposed to be coming out. She just added the Wonder Woman's production designer, Arlene Bonetto, on to take care of the film. Now, does that mean anything to you, Arlene bon- Bonetto?
2: No, never heard of her.
4: Me neither. Okay, I like this again. Next. Oh, like this Sorry, sorry,
2: sorry, sorry.
4: <laughs> this was interesting. You know who Darth Maul is? Uh, yes Who's What's better than Darth Maul?
2: I'm more Darth Maul
4: ding ding, ding 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 Give the man his money Chick 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 Pay the man his money You ever see that? No, what's that? you never seen Rounders?
0: Oh, uh, probably not,
2: no Oh, you gotta put that clip in
0: He beat me Straight up Pay him Pay that man his money.
4: Star Wars sets up Maul's next return. Now, this is an article that came out where they're making connective tissue happen. Now, we all know people might be out there who only watch the film say, wait, didn't Darth Maul die? How did he show up at the end of uh, Solo? Well, he he didn't die. He kept himself alive through hate. Got some spider legs. Met up with his brother.
2: I got some spider legs, of Dan.
4: <laughs> I ain't got no legs. Anyway. Uh, and then came back to life and became a fucking badass ca- character and the godfather of not the <laughs> <whole
3: train. laughs>
4: he became the godfather of the crime syndicate in the Star Wars universe. So he was like the Marlon Brando of all the mafia in uh Star Wars. So Now, here we go. The former Darth uh the former Sith apprentice Darth of Darth Sidious, gone rogue is a massive fan-favorite character like we stated, and his final arc in the Clone Wars animated series provides the perfect opportunity for him to make a return. Thanks to thanks to some hints from the Bad Batch's latest episode, it's quite possible that the Clone Force 99, a.k.a. the Bad Batch, may soon come face-to-face with Crimson Dawn. The criminal syndicate Maul created to lay siege to Mandalore and to gain power in the galaxy. Now, the Bad Batch Season 1 Episode 5 Rampage, Clone Force 99 is on the run from the bounty hunter Fennec Shan, who's been hired to bring the squad's newest recruit, Omega, uh, as a result, they had they head to the planet of Ord Mantel to meet with the contact named Sid, a Transdotion who may be able to provide some situation, uh, information I'm sorry, on Shan. In exchange for her services, they agreed to do a job for her. Uh, and after they got up of, uh, off their knees and wiped their mouth, after the, <laughs> just kidding. Not,
2: not, not, not a hand job, not a blow job, my uh, job. Uh,
4: the you know, after after their success, they gave the, they get their information as well as some pay, and the implication is that they'll be working as mercenaries going forward, proving them a means for survival in this new era with the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. However, the plot thickens. Doc Ord Mantell is a world most notable for being the base of operations for the Black Sun crime organization, which is also part of Maul's Shadow Collective formed in the midst of the Clone Wars. It would, little, it would later be known as Crimson Dawn, which was featured in Solo's uh, Star Wars, sorry, and is definitely active during the same time as the Bad Batch. Maul did escape Ahsoka Tano's custody in the final episodes of Clone Wars, yep. and, he's, and he had also instructed the leaders of the Syndicate to go into hiding during the war's end. Now that the Bad Batch are becoming mercenaries, it's certainly possible that they could soon find themselves going up against Maul and his rising criminal empire. What do you think?
2: Yeah, something tells me that they're not going to become mercenaries. I think this may be a a one and done thing for them. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll do one more mission for her or something, but uh, it would be interesting to shoehorn Maul inside there. But, um, but is it really a shoehorn? So it's not, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's in the right timeline. Like we said in the past before, you know, you want to do something, just make it make sense. And Ord um, Mantel, not to cut you off, like I said, is the
4: base for the the, the the mafia. Yep. Right? But also Hunt it's a throwback to uh the OT when uh Han Solo was like doing the asked, I thought you were leaving taking the money to go. And then he's like uh the bounty hunter we ran into at yeah, Ord Mantel. Mantel. yep. Anyway, go continue, please.
2: Yeah, no, so uh maybe uh it's 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 a good thought you know it's i think it's it's um speculating responsibly especially when you have a lot of information in front of you to actually make that so we'll see what happens uh, i mean would i like to see maul and the bad batch sure would i like to see vader a little bit better than bad batch yes um so for me it's kind of like a double-edged sword oh get it uh-huh, i made a little double top over there nice <laughs> So, what do, you think? what do you think, Pop?
4: If I was booking?
2: Yep. Hmm.
4: So, we know Maul is the leader of Crimson Dawn. We know that he dies maybe a year, two years before episode four. So, this whole time. He's kicking ass and taking names in the underground world. Yep. Until Ezra finds him on uh what was it? Malacor? Was it was the planet?
2: Yeah, uh, Malacor, Crabacor, whatever. Whatever.
4: When he runs into Ezra on that planet and he's Orbar
2: who knows. Whatever. And
4: he's all alone. So he's not in charge of He's lonely mom. <laughs> Uh, so how does he get from A to Z? How does he become the Godfather? And then then becomes Lonely Maul. So, he goes from Godfather to Virgil, real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh... Fuck like that fuck, Yeah, dude. Um, what if in the Bad Batch we get to see Vader versus Maul? Ooh... And then he has to leave because he got his ass kicked in front of the powers that be, the whole, the entire mob or whatever. Loses a little bit of command and respect. That's the window of opportunity for Kira to take the spot. And that's how he ends up on the planet all alone by himself.
2: Mm, interesting. Interesting. And we've seen... Um... I'm, I'm going to dovetail this into another story. Spoiler uh, alert. If you're, if, I was if, stalked uh, into yeah, Malone. Put the clip touch, in. Touchdown. Um, what, what? Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, spoiler alert for those you are reading the War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, it's You know you should probably skip ahead about a minute or so. But uh, at the end of one of the, uh, the new issues of War of the Bounty Hunters, you know, the... Han solo Carbonite block gets reclaimed from Boba by someone else. And we find out that that person who now is in possession of that is the leader of the underground um the Crimson Dawn, who is Kira. So Kira makes her return to the Star Wars universe um, in the uh the War of the Bounty Hunters uh Marvel Comics issues. Did you pop for that? I did. I saw it, you know, and they drew her very much so like Amelia Clark, so. Uh, I was pretty excited about that because Was uh, it over for you? It, it was definitely, definitely over for me. Sure. I'm glad to know that. Um uh, and speaking. Uh, no. of, oh, no.
4: <laughs> do you want to go there now or you want to keep of going? Of course, let's do it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment called Who is More Over? And what what does that mean to me? To to Doc, to Spiro, but to you guys out there listening to this. Um Over is wrestling lingo. And what it means, it means being popular. So when you're a wrestler and you're over with the fans, you're popular with the fans. So if you're a good guy wrestler, you're a babyface. That's what the terminology means. And when you're over as a baby, people will pay a lot of scuttle to come see you kick the crap out of the villain wrestler. So when you're over as a villain wrestler, you're known as a heel. So when you're over as a heel, like your boy GGP is, People will pay a lot of scuttle to come see you get your ass kicked. Now, what we do on this show, we do not put two people from Star Wars in a wrestling match in a ring. We compare two aspects of Star Wars, whether it's a person, whether it's a place, whether it's a thing, doesn't matter. And we see what is more over with you people, all six of our fans, most importantly, who's more over with us? So, Doc, what's on the uh, marquee tonight?
2: So this week, we're looking at uh, specific scenes in the Star Wars OT trilogy. So we're looking at the destruction of the Death Star in Episode 4 and Episode 6. So we're seeing which scene of Death Star destruction is moreover. Was it Luke Skywalker's trench run in Episode 4? <laughs> Lando Calrissian's uh, bore to the core where him and Nia Nub flew the Falcon to destroy the inner core of the somewhat built half-assed Death Star in Episode 6.
0: There it is. All right, Wedge, go for the power regulator on the North Tower. Copy, Gold Leader. I'm already on my way out. (laughs) (laughs) you <laughs>
4: Doc, can we hop on the, polls, like hop the, on the polls?
2: Hop on the polls. Here we go. So uh, with the grand score of 50-50, it seems that uh, no one is more over on Facebook. Holly Garland has an answer. Trick question. Where the answer is neither. I had friends in those Death Stars. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Pop. That's a good one. Uh, on the face bizzle. Let's see. We just did a face oh, No, sorry. On Instagram. 86% for Luke episode four over Lando episode six. So, apparently, based on the numbers, uh, Luke blowing up the Death Star on the trench run is more over. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can send an
4: email regarding this matter or any other matter to newforceorder at yahoo.com. Um, when we get a chance, we'll read your email. But I want to hear from Spiro first. So, Spiro, what do you think was more over? Is it episode four, Luke blowing up the Death Star in his trench run, or episode six, Return of the Jedi? Uh, and Nia Nub and uh Lando Calrissian in the Falcon blue and up the reactor core.
1: Guys, I'm going to go with fucking Luke's trench run because, you know, Luke Skywalker was the guy, you know, when I was a little boy, man, that was the guy that I was rooting for from the beginning. You know, that's that he was the underdog kid that, um, You know, I I couldn't wait to to see him fight. I couldn't wait to see him rise up and do something. And, you know, when he did, uh, you know, to be honest, man, the first the the first Death Star explosion, uh, believe it or not, is the one that's that stuck with me, that stayed with me. The one that I kept replaying in my head as a kid uh, when I would play with my Star Wars figures and and on, you know. The second one, uh, the one with Lando and all that other shit, I bro, I don't even fucking remember that shit, okay? To be honest, I don't even fucking remember how that shit went down. Um, Lando's cool, man, you know what I'm saying? Lando's the fucking man, you know? I mean, if this was a competition over who fucking, you know, who had the bigger dick or something, then I would say Lando's more over, but it's not, you know? So... I'm going with with Luke, man, on this one.
4: Interesting. Always an interesting thought to see who's more over with the, with the Dark Sith Lord. He's, he's got he's a wealth of information and opinions. Yeah. Um, so do you want me to go first, Doc? you want to go first? Who
2: talks first? I'll talk first, Doc. All right. On, uh, so I came up with this one. Uh, I thought it was an interesting little thing here. You know, which scene is more over? Because both of them are somewhat similar speaking, scenes. Speaking of over. um. Because, as we know, Star Wars is poetry and it rhymes. So, you know, the the iconic trench run in episode four where Luke, is, you know, dips down into there and, and Red 5 standing by with his with his boys over there watching him get all picked off. And, you know, we're all sitting there. Stay on, and, target. And stay on target. Stay on target. And invested in like – is like, you know, is this little farm boy who really has never flown a spaceship in his fucking life? Um, who basically grew up in this dust ball to to suck moisture out of the air and sell it? Is he going to be able to do this? It's like uh, how much force is this kid going to fucking need? Um, and we you know we sat there on the edge of our seats as you know he dipped down. And you hear beep 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 beep, beep 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 as he's going through, and you're watching that 1970s uh, you know computer screen, seeing a little X-wing kind of like you know flying through over there, and then Vader jumps into there and gives it that extra like little ump for oh shit, he's picking off you know his uh Porkins and. Biggs and the rest of the losers <laughs> that were inside the trench with him, um, and then suddenly out of nowhere comes Han Solo, and he, uh, you know, saves the day. Knocks I got him, you now. Yeah, what? I got you now. Knocks Vader off target. Um, spins him out of control. He flies into outer space, and then it's you know, let's blow his popsicle stand, kid. Um, and uh, Luke takes his the shot, and then takes his big deep breath. <sighs> And you see the two little uh photon torpedoes defy gravity and suck themselves into the hole. Um like I always they, always they always look like little sperm to me, just like kinda like you know, dipping into the vagina when they shouldn't be, you know, like oh it's plan B time, guys. Um and then the whole <laughs> thing, you know, it implodes and explodes. Classic. And then you have uh a little, you know, as Star Wars evolved and you know, Lucas had a little more dough to play with, you see the uh, you know, the evolution of that. Kind of similar scene in episode six where Lando and Nien and the rest of the crew are attacking the Death Star uh, and going inside the uh, the Death Star this time and you know, having this very uh, close knit battle where, you know, they're flying the Falcon, knock off the satellite dish fucking up the, the whole ship, the whole nine yards, um, and avoiding these TIE fighters who, who are flying behind them, going through all the scaffolding that's inside there, get to the core, send out the charges, and then make their way out the back door. Um, I think for, for episode four, the the focus of that final scene of, the, of that movie was on just the trench front. The Death Star core battle was more scattered between three different um scenes that were happening simultaneously you had the death star you know core run you had luke on the death star you know battling vader and palpatine and then you had uh han solo and the rebels at the uh the base below trying to drop the shield so i think you kind of lose a little bit of the gravitas that the trench run has when you split it into so many different competing parts that are happening simultaneously. It made sense that that happens, so, you know, they couldn't happen in succession had happened simultaneous because they were, they all fed off of each other as to what was happening. Um Though I think the aesthetic of the second trench run was the second death star explosion was interesting in the, in so much of the fact that they had more info and more things to do with it. I think as far as pure Star Wars and pure movie magic and really edge of your seat kind of shit, the initial trench run for me is more over.
4: The reason why they had more more info is because Manny Bothans died to give us this information. That's right. That's right. It was Bothans. And Manny Bothans was her lover Manny. Anyway. <laughs> um, I'm with you, Doc. I'm going to pick episode four because if there wasn't any episode four, there'd be no second Death Star. And would be no episode five or six, it'd be a totally different uh, landscape. Uh, The bad guys win. Good night, folks. You know? Um, So I'm going to go with that fact alone. Um, I agree with you. Visually, episode six is a lot more appealing. They added more money, like you said, to do better visual effects. Plus the visual effects in 83 as opposed to 77 or leaps and bounds ahead. So other than that, uh, I'm going to pick episode four just for its uh, importance. And um, it was the foundation that everything got built on for Luke Skywalker, you know? Almost like the little legend that could. So anyway, uh, back to our regularly scheduled program, folks. Um, We were talking about Sid in episode uh, five of The Bad Batch. Does she sound familiar to you?
2: Uh, so initially when I heard her, I thought she sounded familiar, but then I was like, ah, oh, you know, I initially thought it was the chick who played, um, uh, with, with the, uh, Amy Sedaris who played, uh, Mas Pelgo, have known no, Mas Pelgo, where's the name? Some the, the yeah. woman who was the, uh, the, the mechanic on Tatooine. I thought yeah, it was the, her uh, initially. The Ripley from Wish. Yeah. I thought it was her initially when, when I heard her. I'm like, that's, the voice sounds kind of familiar. And I just kind of forgot about it. But lo and behold, another deadly episode, um, it is a famous voice behind that uh, that character there. It's Rhea Perlman. You guys may know her as the sassy waitress from Cheers. What was her name? Uh, I forgot. I was just going to ask you yeah. the same I question. I lost that. CT. It
4: was Sam, uh, Coach, D- Diane, Woody, Coach Diane. Woody. Um, what was her husband? The hockey uh, Carla. It was Carla, Carla, right?
2: Carla, yes. There you go. Got it. pulled that out of my ass. Perfect. What, what was the hockey player's name? Oh, husband. That- Oh, he was, uh, that was, um, I forgot what his name, but he he died recently. What was his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio guy. Uh, D- uh, Danny, not Danny, uh, Frankie, no, uh, Johnny. Uh, I can't remember. Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> Enrico Palazzo.
4: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, yes, it was Rhea Perman, who was famous as Carla and Cheers. She was on Taxi as well. Married to Danny DeVito for quite some time. I think like 20 years or something like that they were married. I don't know, for a long amount of time. They're not married anymore. But lo and behold, like I said, another deadly episode. She's also the voice for Harley Quinn, American Dad, Robot Chicken, and others. That I did not know.
2: I didn't know that either.
4: So there you go, folks. The more you know. (laughs) So sometimes, you know, you think you know a chick. Sometimes you don't. And in this case, we didn't know that Sid the chick, the Transdotion, was real permanent. But there's one chick that you know, Doc. Oh, one yeah. chick that I know. Her name's Ahsoka. And uh, there's talks about Ahsoka basically being reintroduced in live action, oh. but a young version of Ahsoka. So what's your take on this?
2: Uh, we're going to be the Ahsoka overload here. If they do maybe some flashbacks in the Ahsoka series that's coming back in, cool. I'm in. You know, I have no problem with flashbacks. I think if they're going back to revisit a specific time period in character's life and want to talk about why this is important for the current issues that are happening with them, all for it. But do we really need to see a young Ahsoka? We did. That's called the Clone Wars. Uh, We've had that for years already. Um, We don't got to go back and see that stuff. So let's give Rosario Dawson her time to shine. She did a great job. She deserves it. Uh, and let us uh, see some true live action, older Ahsoka actions. I don't want to be staring at young Ahsoka and get all excited, you know.
4: That sounds so dirty. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what if it's Ahsoka, young Ahsoka, Hayden Christensen, and and McGregor all together in flashbacks of the Clone Wars, fighting Clone Wars and fighting
2: droids in the Kenobi series? That's cool. I'll take it. Okay. I'll allow it. Again, if the flashback makes sense, if they're putting in there for a specific reason, I'm in. Gotcha. So what about but this flashback? I'd rather not a whole series based on, you know, Young Asoka. No
4: no, 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 no. I don't think it's a whole series. I think it's going to reintroduce her in certain aspects, in certain series, whether it's what I said, whether it's you said. One of us was probably She's right. making
2: money, bro. She's making money, bro. I mean, it makes sense, right? No, she's a draw.
4: But... You were talking about flashbacks. You know who had a flashback recently? Who had a flashback? Me? My ass in college? No. No.
3: Darth Vader.
4: Episode, uh, issue 12 of Darth Vader by Greg Pak. Gia Villanova, Dean White, Giada Marchesio, and Joe Caramagna. The Dark Sith Lord is undergoing repairs following his battle on the Emperor's hidden planet of Exegol. Uh, during the procedure, he flashes back to the, the destruction of the Death Star, when Han Solo swooped in the Millennium Falcon and blasted Vader's TIE fighter off course, yeah. allowing Luke to fire the shot that destroyed the battle station. Readers learn that Vader's torture of Han during the Empire Strikes Back was his his way of getting back at the smuggler, which makes perfect sense right there. It does. When he recovers, meaning Vader, Vader reflects that he no longer wants to turn Luke to the dark side, but instead believes that his son must die. And Han is the key to making that happen. Um...
2: Well, and this is why now, you know, they thrust Vader into this whole issue where he's also trying to get the the block of carbonite, which kind of makes no sense to me because he's the one who gave it to Boba Fett initially and didn't really give a shit about it. So they're kind of contradicting something that, you know, we've seen as Star Wars lore for 30 years, 40 years now, you know, where he's like, you know, I don't give a shit, you know, stick him in the fucking in in, in the block and you can take him off, take him to but who cares? but now he wants to get his hands back on him which eh, I don't know
4: well it kind of makes sense in one point of view because he, at first he realizes he'll use Han as a bait to get Luke there so he could try to turn him it didn't work because Luke didn't turn now he realizes I have to kill Luke well how am I gonna kill Luke Alright, I know I'll play the eights the same the same spot again the ace up my sleeve I'll get Han solo use him as bait Luke comes I 86 him we're good to go but then also contradicts Return of the Jedi during the hallway scene when Luke turned himself in. How come we need to slice and dice him then? You know
2: what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, this is the issue when you're starting to flesh things out. You need to make the stories happen. You need to make them make sense and you need to make them good. And the way you do that is by now contradicting most of the shit that we've already seen because you're not thinking, you know, 25 steps ahead to this scene and that scene, which is a little bit annoying to me. You know what is annoying? Tell me. what the fuck's the point of the story group if they're not doing their job well are they dealing with all the marble shit though is, is the question you know the, the, the guys that they got writing these books you know great pack is an established writer he's been writing comics for a long long time uh is he really answering to you know the the, the dopes who are doing the high republic well it's, not even, well
4: it's not even about answering to them their whole premise is they're the they're, they're supposed to be the keepers of, of the castle holding the keys to make sure everything is aligned and continuity is there. Yeah. So whether it's against one medium or two medium or three different forms of medium, that's their job.
2: They're the they're yeah. the they're the canon police. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that you know as you get deeper and deeper into this shit, uh, it gets a little more convoluted and 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 problematic as you build more and more layers to that fucking onion.
4: We'll put it this way: even the storyline before this, where Vader goes to Exegol and wants to fight um, Helps. Palpatine. It doesn't really make sense because people were harking and har- uh, harping on the fact that how come we didn't tell Luke about Excalibur right before he died? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but it you also may be hanging th- out over here, dude. Get him. But it also it also doesn't make sense from a for, from a certain point of view when you look at it and you say, wait a minute, the Emperor had his fleet back then with the, the final order. With the yeah the final order with the cannons being established, that's why they were bleeding the huge kyber crystal to get enough so they can put it in every cannon. If that's the case, why the fuck they waste time building a separate
2: Death Star? Yeah, can, you know what I mean. Like, this is the problem. You know, when you're trying to flesh out all of these stories, is that you know you wind up. Getting into a little bit murky, murky waters and some some muddy some muddy territory where you're like oh shit uh, that may not go so well with this because it's the little things like you know the important things that people are fucking missing.
4: Of course, and sometimes when you're not paying attention to details, you're doing more harm than good. And like you said, it's no bueno. And you know what else is no bueno that happened to comics? Tell me. Slave One got destroyed. What? No! <laughs> uh, God. So a Boba lost Slave One In a preview of Star Wars, War of the Bounty Hunters number one, released by StarWars.com, Jabba the Hutt has placed a bounty on Boba. After learning he's failed his mission because he lost Han Solo, or Han Solo was stolen from him. As the two bounty hunters, which I think is a really cool storyline, in my opinion, so far, as the two bounty hunters receive notification of the new hit while in a, canti- uh, in a k- cantina, one decides to give a shot and blast Boba Fett standing at the bar. God, of, course, <laughs> of course, it's not going to be an easy task for the biggest open bounty. That's open to anyone who can manage the task. After Boba effortlessly blasts the threat without hesitation, he heads back to his parked ship, only to encounter Zuckus, who has rigged Slave One to explode. Strangely enough, it doesn't seem his fellow bounty hunter wanted him dead. Zuckus thinks Boba Fett should stay down if he wants to survive in the next few minutes, quote unquote. The event's first issue is written by Charles Soule, with art by Luke Ross, featuring a cover by Steve McNiven, as seen below. Okay? Well, I don't have the picture right here in front of me, but despite the issues covered making it appear, the whole ship has been decimated. No! The, pa- the panel, here's a spoiler, the panel makes it look like only the entrance has been damaged. And this could add new context to why Boba Fett chooses to stay at Jabba's palace for the time being, if the ship is being repaired on, But uh, by the time it returns in The Mandalorian. Star Wars Bounty Hunters officially begins with the first issue releasing
2: June 2nd. So cool. tomorrow. Uh, so um let me uh, give me one second here pop I want to show you something all right. This came in the mail for me yesterday. Fantastic amazing cover of War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha which is the opening salvo to the story and this is an, a fantastic cover. That cost me a lot of scuttle. With how um, much? 50. I think it was fifty. Think it was fifty bucks for what for one book, uh, art by E. M. Geist, limited to eight hundred copies worldwide, um, which is not a lot of not a big print run when it comes to a book like this. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous cover. And this guy was actually doing some what's called remarks. And remarks is basically when he draws on top of the cover to draw something else. And he had drawn some like uh some like he made Boba into Django. He made Boba into the Mando. Um, he changed Boba to a different you know outfits. Um, I'm actually going to send this one up to Canada to uh, an artist that I know pretty well that I have a lot of his his art called Johnny, Johnny Desjardins. And Johnny is going to put a little something, something in these little blank spaces for me over here. We haven't decided exactly what he's going to do, but uh, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to put like a flying boba in one corner with the uh, tentacles from the sarlacc reaching out across the top to grabbing him. We'll see. Um, but uh, it is definitely a... a, a, a this is probably... Out of the eighty covers that I've seen, I think for this fucking issue, this is one of the better ones. Is there really eighty covers? There was probably. Hold on, hold, on, hold on, technical difficulties. There's a. It's, I've seen at least twenty five covers. At least twenty five covers. Jesus. And, and, and this Christ. is this is a basic blank cover that they just threw in for free. Thanks a lot. I spent sixty bucks for your fucking book, and they threw an uh, you know blank in there. So now.
4: Are you more upset because you spent 60 bucks and got a blank cover or you're more upset because you're the one who's shooting blanks and they're stealing your gimmick
2: and you're not getting paid for it? It's all good, man. Either way, I'm happy.
4: <laughs> uh, big news this week that came out. J.J. Abrams reflects on Star Wars. And it's critical to have a plan. Did you know that? It's
2: critical to have a plan. No, no. I, I, I'm an emergency room doctor when someone comes in trying to die on me i just try to wing it usually it, it works a lot better got it
4: well thank you for letting me know that
2: that was sarcastic by the way i just want to let you know so anybody's trying to sue me that's not the not the S- actual case
4: sue me sue me for what sue me for what? rocky rocky reference put it in
0: hey rock y'all class the bomb huh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> not
0: Touch me, now I'll so. Come on, pug. Touch me, now I'll so. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh! laughs> me for what? Hmm?
4: <laughs> JJ feels Star Wars trilogy would have benefited from having a plan from the very beginning. In answering Abrams' uh in answering, Abrams drew from his wealth and experience in television. Quote, I've been involved in a number of projects that have been in most cases series that you that have ideas that begin the thing where you feel like you know where it's gonna go, and sometimes an actor who comes in and other times a relationship that is that has written doesn't quite work. And things that you think are gonna go just be so well. Received just So well-received just crash and burn and other things you think like, oh, that's a small moment or that's a one-episode character. Certainly become a huge important part of the story. I feel like what I've learned as a lesson a few times now and that it's something that especially in this pandemic year working with writers has become clear. The lesson is that you have to plan things as best as you can, and always need to be able to respond to the unexpected. And the unexpected can come in all sorts of forms, and I don't think that there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. Abrams then acknowledges that sometimes the plan is the thing that gets in the way. There are projects that I've worked on where we had some ideas, but we hadn't worked through them enough. Sometimes we had ideas, but then we weren't allowed to, use them, to do them the way we want it to do. Uh, I've had all sorts of situations where you plan things a certain way and you suddenly find yourself doing something that's 180 degrees different. And then sometimes it works really well and you feel like, wow, that really came together. And other times you think, oh my God, I can't believe this is where we are. And sometimes when it's not working out, it's because it's what you planned. And other times it's not.
2: (laughs) It's it's what Ryan Johnson planned.
4: uh, And other times when it's not working out, It's because you didn't have a plan. J.J. said that he's learned the hard way, quote-unquote, that it's better to have a plan to be willing and able to change it than not have one at all. You just never really know, quote. uh, But having a plan, I have learned, in some cases, the hard way, it is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if you don't, know the inevitable of the story you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever but you want to be leading to something inevitable so this was a uh an interview jj had with collider
2: is, is, is he basically admitting that he just had no fucking plan for the star wars universe i mean is that is is, is that what you're getting from this I don't know, man.
4: At one point I was, then I seen it from another point of view where people were saying um uh, he was being very open ended with the answers because he's worked on many projects and series. And Star Wars can, can be considered a series, a trilogy series, right? Yeah. But uh people are just make I mean you could also say that people are just taking his very vague answers, which were not vague as as far as giving people an ops uh an answer but vague meaning that he didn't out any projects that he was working on that felt under this category. So people are saying that he wasn't really talking about Star Wars in general. Other people were saying that he was because it fit their narrative of of Star Wars hate for the sequel trilogy. So I'm on the fence with this one. I don't know which way it teeters, you know what I'm saying? So it could, it could necessarily mean what you, what you implied, at first, that's what I was thinking because of all the hoopla and obviously the evidence from the films showing there wasn't enough connective tissue between all three three different films.
2: Um, So, I don't know. I don't know. Seems fishy to me. I don't know. What's I mean, your take? It seems that he's trying to get, again, he's trying to wreck on this fucked up story. Um, I mean... And then do what he did in uh, Rise of Skywalker.
4: Well from what I understand, Rise Skywalker was not exactly what he had envisioned. A lot of it's on the editing floor. Hence, released the JJ cut. But, uh, now that he signed his big deal with Warner Brothers for the DC Universe, it looks like he's trying to save face so he can make some scuttle over there. You know what I'm saying? I don't play uh, I mean, it, I mean that's, a, that's another theory. Whatever the truth may be, it lies within what we just stated. Um, but you know, it is what it is, and it's obviously common sense. Because did you know water is wet? Did you know that if the snow is yellow, you're not supposed to eat it? Yep. Just like it's also better to have a plan. So again, I'm not t-
2: sure how how this guy who is literally responsible for millions upon millions of dollars in production and all this shit can say that you know he's walked into um a set or a show or a series without a plan like like does that endear you to hire this guy for anything else in the future well and don't near me well look
4: to be to be frank hey, frank, hey um, frank we're not there so we can't make an assessment on what happened in any said project from jj abrams but we do know that the higher-ups in these production houses and these productive studios only care about the bottom line. They don't care about artistic integrity. They don't care about quality of a film. Of course. Uh, case in point, Justice League. You know, um, and they gave Zack Snyder the runaround too, and made him jump through a bunch of hoops to get his vision made. So I don't know, man. I don't know what's what. To, what to to uh, take from this article? I just find it hard to believe that. But I'm not putting the blame on him because sometimes when you're playing ball, you got to play ball by other people's rules, especially when they're footing the bill. You know what I mean? Especially so you're playing with their balls. Hey, now. So that leads into this Reddit article that came out saying what happened with the sequel trilogy and the changes from episode nine you want to delve into this because it looks like a big laundry list it's a very
2: long 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 laundry list and long article um if you uh if if i may at the bottom of the article is a a little little synopsis of uh the stuff that uh is um is important if you want to go right to that you know they basically break down all the shit that they talked about in the article so where is that Very very bottom of the article there's like bullet points
3: Dokey.
2: I think that's the same article we're talking about. Let me see. Let me check,
4: buddy. Some closing comments. Is there a JJ cut still perplexed on why everything is called JJ cut? The answer is yes and no. There's an assembly cut where Abrams filled before reshoots took place. It resembles his original vision and needs some work and likely some reshoots. Only a lunatic would attempt to fund it, though. Is is there a Lucas cut? No, Abrams had gone to Lucas like he had gone to all the other directors and got their input on 9. That's it. Lucas did not ghost direct 9. He gave his input to the initial script Abrams and Terrier worked on. Differences between the theatrical and Abrams cut uh, for Rider of Skywalker. Matt Smith, for one. The runtime would be close to four hours. Palpatine's role constantly changed from dark spirit to possession to eventually rescued zombie clone. The original role was just a cameo for the fans as if it was uh, in uh, Duel of the Fate. Ray's parents had been Luke and the Force archaeologist who found Anakin's lightsaber after the events of the original trilogy. But before sequel trilogy, we never learned her name in the story. Well, that's actually pretty cool. The archaeologist finding the original uh, saber. Mm Mm-hmm. Giving
2: credence and meaning to why the saber called out to Ray. Yep. Holy shit. See that that would have been a, a fantastic, you know, little segue into that over there. There's so many little tidbits
4: in here that are great. Kylo and Ray's relationship was more tragic. Ray wanting to put him out of his misery, and Kylo wanted to be free. There was a scene of Kylo saying goodbye to Leia, giving closure to mom and son. Jana had been Finn's sister. I'm told this is still on the table for future stories. They were separated when they were kidnapped. Their last names were once Galfrean. Okay. Much of Rose's subplot was dedicated to figuring out how to outsmart the First Order. Rose and Janna had a third act subplot of the converting of the Jammer into the Beacon to alert the galaxy of the final battle. They became close. Ooh, <laughs> Pry originally sold out the First Order to the Resistance the oldest of the old guard, tired of following children. Hux and Kylo work together to find out who the spy is by leaking false information. Hawks killed Pride. Dude, that's so much better. 100% better. Coruscant was a key world for the conflict between the First Order and the Resistance. Several flashbacks to Luke's life before the sequels. Luke had been looking for Mortis through Act 2. Luke and Kylo would have A proper duel on Mortis. This scene was based off their confrontation on Duel of the Fate. There were hints to Poe's romantic interest in Finn, yet in the end, he gives his blessings to Finn and Rey. I I don't like that. Not because it's gay or anything. just didn't feel organic to me. It felt forced. You know, by the the Twitter mob. That's why. Poe would end up convincing Bounty Hunter Zori. To aid the fight with her fellow bounty hunters, the two become mutually interested in each other. Final battle for the Resistance takes place over a giant docking bay of the First Order fleet on Curaçao.
2: Docking bay 94. Finn
4: leads the assault to the beacon that will call the cavalry with Rose and Jana. He would have been wielding a green lightsaber, unknown if it's Luke's lightsaber or an Abram's uh, DU ex machina. Um, the message to the galaxy is Leia's call to help from The Last Jedi that BB-8 recorded. Sith troopers are actually clones mixed with Phasma's DNA.
2: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it gives her a little more of a, a meaty role.
4: Fins leads a stormtrooper rebellion of normal stormtroopers versus Sith troopers.
2: Which we had heard about in the past.
4: Which should have fucking happened. Rey offers Kylo her hand for redemption. A parallel contrast to his offering in TLJ, Kylo rejects it. He thanks her for caring. <laughs> Ray and Kylo have their final battle. Knights of Ren would help. Finn arrives to fight them, and Kylo with Ray. Kylo and Ray. Knights of Ren would be killed. Okay. Uh-huh. Kylo accepts his defeat and returns to the light as he dies. Ben would have appeared as a force ghost with his mother and made amends to Ray silently. Anakin's force ghost would have appeared with the younger force ghosts of Luke and Leia to say goodbye forever. The Resistance gang would have celebrated on Tatooine at the Lars homestead. Yeah. Finn and Ray watching the sunrise hand in hand with Janna, Rose, Poe, Zori, Chewie, and the droids.
2: Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, some good things, some not so great things. Oh man,
4: but, that that sucks.
2: Yeah, you know? yeah. There's a lot of opportunity there that was kind of missed. Yeah, oh, totally.
4: I mean, the Finn thing with the stormtroopers and the rebellion is money. That would have been cool, and,
2: and we, you know, you know giving him some, uh, you know, some gravitas on his arc.
4: Absolutely. And speaking of money, in Boyega, uh John boy Vega very briefly and I can't even say his word succinctly succinctly, thank you, but also very clearly makes it known that he would be open for Star Wars Return to flesh out and tell more of stor- uh, stories of fn 2187 a.k.a.
2: Really Fit,
4: providing J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy are involved
2: that's an interesting comment right
4: there and not ryan johnson the i mean because obviously he didn't mention him but what do you what's your take uh
2: i i thought it was very interesting that he would even mention kk and jj um after you know everything that that had gone down between everybody there and the way he was treated um my take is the dude realized that the paychecks he was getting from disney were pretty fucking hefty and he was like you know what
3: Hefty, 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 wimpy, wimpy,
2: wimpy. I didn't mind those paychecks so much. So uh let's see if we can go back to the uh you know to the well on that bad boy. And uh, you know, who doesn't want to get paid by the mouse? I wouldn't mind my name on a mouse check.
4: Oh me neither, dude. Um if I had my mouth, I have had my name on a WWE check. I would love to have my name on a Star Wars check, that'd be nice. Um Did you frame that $22 or no? $22? Yeah. I'm not main eventing, bro. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> you don't want to be working for them this week. They just dumped a bunch of like Holy heavy duty shit, talent.
4: Shit, the talent they dumped. I couldn't even believe it's half the talent they dumped. Yeah, I didn't believe it either. It's crazy. But speaking about dumps, no, I'm kidding. Uh Kelly Retran <laughs> <laughs> defends the div- uh divisive Star Wars last Jedi scene. So I'm gonna read this, and I want to get Spiro's take on this. Now Kelly Marie Tran defends divisive uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi scene. Quote, I feel like the characters inside of me because so much of my upbringing was that. Unquote. Now, Kelly, great actress, by the way, Kelly Marie Marie Tran. Has defended the divisive scene from Star Wars The Last Jedi. The actress who played Rose Tico in Ryan Johnson's twenty seventeen film in the Skywalker trilogy spoke to Rose Tico, spoke about Rose Tico, BB8, and Finn's trim to Canto Bright, a casino uh, racetrack city to track down the Master Codebreaker. I love that scene, Tran told Collider. I mean, I am biased. So I guess I can say that. I remember how I felt that day. I remember John Boyega uh, and I John walk-
3: yeah.
4: And I walking on the set and being like, this is the biggest set we'll ever be on. And seeing... <laughs> and John Zuberger
2: said, oh, I got a bigger set in my pants, baby.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And this is the biggest set we'll ever be on. And seeing all of the creatures moving and being part of this universe. Uh, Tran explained that she felt that the Canto Bright scene strengthened Finn's commitment to the resistance. The scene does a lot for really recognizing how certain communities who are able to enjoy their privilege live in a world where they don't even have to address some of the horrible things other people are dealing with, she said. White people. Uh, The actress also Russell said those scenes developed Rose and Finns as characters, but reminded her of her own identity. So much of Rose in that scene, so much of the things she said, I was like, I feel that this character is inside of me because so much of my upbringing was that, she explained. Addressing her own Vietnamese heritage, Tran added, my parents are also from a war-torn country. They had to leave their home in order to escape it. So to be able to exist in a community, where I think people weren't really aware of the struggles that it took other people to even exist. Yeah, I relate to that. So with all that being said, Doc, what do you think about this article?
2: Uh, I just think, listen, yes, and Kelly, McTren, uh, there's a love, hate relationship with the US Star Wars universe. I, I know Papa likes not like shell a lot, and so does a uh, Spiro. Um, but I think it's just, her trying to retcon her own story and trying to have some good memories of Star Wars, which otherwise kind of left her in a lurch and kind of fucked her over between the fans completely turning their backs on her and making her flee from Twitter and then social media and to uh, J.J. nearly exclusively writing her out of the Rise of Skywalker. she I think she's just trying to save some face over here.
4: Gotcha. Gotcha. You might be out something there, Doc. I mean, sometimes when they smoke, there's fire. But speaking about smoke and fire, all the way from Mexico himself, uh, Darth Spiritan, please, let me know what you think of this article and what Kelly Marie Tran stated in said article, which means, Spiro, yes, you actually have to read the article. So please let us know.
1: You know, man, what Kelly Marie Tran went through the bullshit she had to deal with, man, you know, to this day, I'll be honest, man, it 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 it, it annoys me. It pisses me off because you got a, a lot of these fucking nerds, a lot of these goddamn geeks, man, who are fucking nutless, but they get behind a fucking keyboard and already, and automatically they become fucking Scarface. They're fucking John Gotti and shit, you know what I'm saying? Talking big. You know, they don't give a fuck who it is, you know, man. They talk shit to fucking Jesus Christ himself, you know. So here comes Kelly Marie Tran, arguably the worst fucking character in Star Wars history. And, you know, let's not forget that Jar Jar Binks exists, okay. So, you know, coming in above, you know, eh, I'm sure it's debatable with fucking some fans. But anyways... The amount of heat she received and the bullshit she had to deal with, it's like nobody really fucking took, took, took time to think and to appreciate her fucking talent. Nobody took time to appreciate what she was bringing to this character, you know, what she was given to work with, you know, man, it's, you know, I've seen her in other roles, man, you know, she, she's a fucking talent, a, a talented actress and she's only going to get better. That said, what she had to say about, you know, I, I, I agree, man. You know, I think that a lot of us fans, the fans who, 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 who didn't like The Last Jedi, I think we were too busy fucking hating and being angry about this film that we didn't really fucking take time to think and appreciate what that scene was. And that scene could have, could have been so much better. And I'm not part of the fucking, I'm not in the fucking tribe that believes that they should have just cut out that whole scene. I think that scene could have been done better. I think that there was a lot more that could have been said with that scene. You know, man, we could have seen a little bit more background things going on Uh, as far as how the war was, was being funded and who was selling arms to who and anyways, you know, but what she said about that, this shows you, you know, it's, it's like an imitation of fucking real life. You know, man, you have communities that don't have to worry about a lot of the shit that most of us do, you know? But what I like about this was that she didn't play the whole fucking privilege game. She didn't play the whole fucking race card. You know, she wasn't like, oh, you know, man, well, you know, she got to live in a community like that, right? And she said it herself, you know, the reason why, why my family was able to do this was because my family worked hard and they saved and they saved every penny, you know? You know, it's it's not like other stars, man, other stars that want to fucking play the race card and they want to talk about, well, you know, they were able to live in this community due to their color because, you know, whether they're white or something, whatever the fuck, you know, no, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot more that I can say about her and and about her method and about her talent and there's a lot more I can say about that scene, but but what I really appreciate is the fact that she's telling people that, you know, um, doesn't matter who the fuck you are, you know, whether you're white, black, fucking Asian, fucking, you know, a fucking squirrel, whatever the fuck, you know, work hard, save your money, you know, you, you too can enjoy the luxuries of fucking life, you know. So, yeah, man, you know, that's that that's what what stuck out to me the most about that you know because i'm 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 just sick and tired man of all these fucking celebrities virtue signaling and you know fuck man all all they do is they add more more fuel to the to the fire man you know the the country's already divided enough you know man She, she could have been on there talking about uh you know it sucks being asian and And, you know, the fucking racism and dealing with this and this and that shit. No, but she didn't. You know? But she didn't. So, yeah, man.
4: Well, Doc,
2: what do you think about his response? Uh, eh. Okay. As as usual. As usual.
4: (laughs) Well, Doc, I think it's that time. That time of the show. Where we do that segment. Where we go down the path. Not of yellow brick roads, but of lists. Because guess what, everybody? You just made the list.
2: You just made the list. So ladies and gentlemen. The, it's
4: list time, baby. <laughs> what,
2: what, explain the segment to the people. So here's where we comb the internet for these magical lists that these shitty websites make. Hold on, hold and, on, hold on,
4: hold on, hold on. Sorry. Hold on, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I just got to inter- interject real quick. Comb the desert.
2: Comb the desert. We ain't found shit. We ain't found shit. That's the best is that they have the Afro pick. That's so racist.
1: President Scrooge, what is it? I have an urgent message from Lord Helmet. He's lost the princess. Where? Somewhere in the sands of Vega. Tell him to comb the desert. Do you hear me? Comb the desert. Yes, sir.
0: Sir. What? Are we being too literal?
4: No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to comb the desert, so we're combing it. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. What about you guys? We ain't found shit.
2: Great. <laughs> uh, okay, what are you saying now? Uh, okay, anyway, so we... we... Pop it on Combs, the internet, looking for all these magical lists that, uh, you know, Screen Rant and other shitty websites put out. And then, <laughs> and then we either agree with them or we shit on them, one or the other. Sometimes both. Exactly. I'll go so first. So who goes first? I'll all go right. first. Here we go. Obi-Wan Kenobi's five best friendships and his five best rivalries. Oh, you that know, was I'll,
4: last uh, week's, no? It was,
2: was it last week's? Yeah, dude. Uh, oh, I'm a little – yeah, you're right. I'm a little uh, – <laughs> I'm a little behind. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Uh. Five pocket pussies that are based off of Grogu's um, ears. <laughs> Can <could> you imagine? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be horrific. Uh, oh, my God. Hold on here. with This fucking list shit. I'll uh, start.
4: All right, go. 12 movies to watch. if you Fuck, I was going to do that one. Okay, go. Okay, go ahead. Thank no, you no, no, it's five. Go, go. <laughs> it, was only, it was the first one on the list. That's why I picked it. I know. <laughs> That's why I was going through. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a fan of Star Wars, these 12 movies you'd love as well. Let's see.
2: Uh Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh.
4: <laughs> Solo. Um.
2: Where the hell is the list?
4: <laughs> oh no. I'm scrolling down. I don't see any numbers. I don't see anything.
2: Clearly, we did not make the list.
4: Oh man, this is a weird way they said I'm sorry, folks. I thought it'd be like number one, this movie, number two. Let's see. Fans of Star Wars franchise may enjoy other films, similar stories, and familiar faces. Star Wars actors have also appeared in pictures like Inside, Lewin Davis, and Jane Got a Gun. Star Trek, Zestora, Guardians of the Galaxy are reminiscent space adventure movies. Um, director J.J. Abrams rebooted sci-fi series Star Trek in uh, 2009. Uh, why are you liking Star Trek? Before Star Wars, to a younger generation. Okay, I'm not talking about Star Trek. Um, Next one, Dune oh, 1980 <laughs> No, actually people listen to ours. Uh Dune 1984 is the next movie. Uh Avatar 2009. Um Alien 1979. Guardians of the Galaxy 2014. Uh Zathura 2005. What movie? Zathura the space adventure it's a family friendly approach to sci-fi storytelling uh, adapted from the book by the same name by Chris Van Alsberg the space adventure films centers on three kids uh, as, as a board game transports them into the reaches of space Jumanji. in space basically Spaceballs like we mentioned before uh, 2001 Space Odyssey Isaac and oh no oh uh, Charlie in oh, the I- Factory Isaac and, Adam Driver, Isaac and Adam Driver were both in dark comedy called Inside Lewin Davis in 2013. Um, Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, and Joel Edgerton acted alongside each other in Jane Got a Gun in 2016. You never saw that one?
2: No, I never saw Jane Got a Gun.
4: Me <laughs> is <Harrison, laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones series.
2: Is this, like, a list for people who are total fucking idiots and never seen a movie in their life before? I'm just curious. It was a horrible list. Next. Next. Okay, moving on. My turn. Hold on a second. Let me put that paintbrush down. That's not a paintbrush. That's not a paintbrush. 10. Star Wars. 10 ways the special editions changed the OT trilogy. All right. You ready for this one, Papa Don? Yes, sir. I can probably close my eyes and actually do this list without even reading it because, you know, I'm such a fan. All right. Here we go. Uh, number 10. Uh Cleaned up the special effects that matched pre- with the prequel trilogy. This is a good thing, I think, that happened, you know. It, it it really updated some of the effects that we had inside there, added some scenes here and there, which was uh, sorely needed. Additional CG aliens and ships were added in various scenes. Again, you know, Lucas's budget back in the day wasn't so fantastic, so he had to decide what he wanted to do with his life um, and couldn't add so much stuff. So when they add more do-backs and more ships in the, uh, in, in the air, or backs in the sand, it, it kind of like enriches the, uh, the uterus. eight alternate dialogue. Did you takes, say it
4: enriches the uterus or the universe? Uh,
2: both <laughs> once a month, it enriches the uterus eight alternate dialogue takes were re were used across the various re-releases. Oh, so let's read about some fans were quick to notice some subtle changes in dialogue that were included in the special edition, which were altered along a number of sound effects to fit with Lucas's final vision of the trilogy. Changes including re-recording of Boba Fett's dialogue by Tamora yep. Morrison, which we know uh, as his debut as Django. And dialogue has continued to be altered over the years with additional re-releases of cuts of movies which included an out-of-place no from Darth Vader in the final confrontation with the Emperor yep. that called back to the Revenge of the Sith. Um, and then, of course, we know the McClankey. Um, number seven, Han's first shot was controversially changed to Greedo shooting first. Terrible. Uh, number six, Jabba the Hub was added to a new hope using a deleted scene. By the way, I hate that scene. I think it's terrible, and I think they should have never re-added that scene into the trilogy. Your thoughts? I don't know. Um, there was no need for it. Yeah, it just felt out of place to me. Uh, number five, Jabba, Jabba's Palace got an extended musical number with the new band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'll take a no on that one for the, the redesign of the sarlacc pit was altered for return of the jedi so they did make the sarlacc look a little more menacing than just this like massive anus that was sitting in the ground that had hemorrhoids coming out of it It feed me, Seymour. Yeah, instead of had a massive hemorrhoid coming out of the middle of it that was a uh, little shop of I think they could probably go back and redo that again now to make it even better. Um, number three, Anakin's elderly Force ghost was replaced with Hayden Christensen. Probably one of the most divisive uh, portions of the Special Edition trilogy was when they threw Hayden inside there. <sighs> it has so many like connotations and complicated nuances to it that uh, we could, could probably do a, like you know a whole massive segment on it, uh, of and of itself. Number two, Coruscant was added to the live-action franchise for the first time. This is during the celebration at the end. And the Phantom Menace in 3D almost kicked off a new wave of special editions. Um, You remember when they released the Phantom Menace, and I was excited for them to release the rest of the movies in order to go see them. And I went to go see Phantom Menace begrudgingly again in the theaters with my son. And then that was it, because they sold Disney to Disney thereafter, and they decided to scrap the rest of that shit, which was kind of dumb. That's your it? turn, your turn, buddy.
4: My turn. Let's see. Like you say in Lost Boys, my turn. Um, hold on one second. Uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch, episode five, Easter eggs explained. Let's I don't think see. this is a list.
2: I think this is just a.
4: Yeah, you can go through it. It's fine. It'll work. Sit, sit in real Perman. We talked about that. Moochie the Rancor. It, is, it isn't the same Rancor from Return of the Jedi because Return of the Jedi Rancor had a different name. Uh, I think it was Batista. and Ah, Walk
0: Alone!
4: You see Army of the Dead yet? I have not yet, no. Uh, um, and it was a male Rancor. Muchi is a... a,
2: a, a Let's that's, see. That's really annoying. Why? Because I I would like Moochie to be the rancor.
4: Let's see. Enemies. Blah, 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 uh, this is horseshit. All right. We, I'm, not, I'm not... <laughs> Moving Star, on. Okay. Star Wars 10 best scenes of Obi Wan Kenobi and Maul's rivalry. I, I guarantee you it's number one. I know exactly what it is. Let's see. Number 10. Obi Wan and Adi Galea versus Maul and Savage Opress. This happened during the Clone Wars. Um, it was a great scene. Obi-Wan outmatches the brothers. As Obi-Wan will fighting both Savazo Press and Maul with two lightsabers. You know, uh, just like, just like uh, Anakin, Anakin, Anakin had in uh, Episode 2. Maul captures Obi-Wan. Oh, fuck. Ma- Maul captures Obi-Wan Kenobi and Satine. Is when Maul tries to sneak into Mandalore and save Satine. Uh, Maul finds out Obi-Wan is alive in Rebels.
3: Kenobi!
4: Number six. That's when he's in the desert. Number five. Maul returns. Uh, that's when he comes back to life or they bring him back into canon. Unlike Rebels. Obi-Wan and Asaja Vents <laughs> versus Maul and Savage. That was a good fight. Yes, it was. Number three. Maul kills Satine Cries. That was bad. Not bad in a bad way, but bad like in a badass way. Um Two, do all the Fates. Everyone loves that scene. And number one, <laughs> like I knew it was, Twin Sons. Which was the episode where Maul met his demise finally at the hands of... Hello there. Obi-Wan.
2: Yeah. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time all right star wars 10 heroic acts committed by villains oh maul attempting to recruit ahsoka so this was a great one we we really one of the better star wars arcs of all time i think you know live action or or cartoon was uh season mandalore man was fantastic if you guys have not watched that you know get your ass to do it immediately right now and that uh that exchange between maul and ahsoka was fantastic um you know, I liken it to the uh, you know similar kind of issue between Ray and uh, Ray and uh, Kylo when they when he was trying to pull her to the dark side or pull her to, to with him, and then she was trying to pull her to the light. It was it was very very uh, very well done. Uh, number nine, Asajj Ventress aiding Ahsoka Tano. So this happened in the Clone Wars, obviously, where Ventress was helping her uh, get a deal that would get her a pardon from the Republic. Number eight, Alexander Callas defecting and helping the rebels. This was also talked about um, in another article that we had passed around earlier. That you know this is similar to Hux and his turn. Um, so we had seen this before when Agent uh, Agent Callis actually uh, you know crosses over to become one of the rebels. And that was done Bo- right. Yes, Boba Fett helping Din Dinjarin. Um, again, a villain doing some some good deeds. Uh six, Maul helping Ezra, Canaan, and Ahsoka very briefly. This is when cool. they faced off against the Inquisitors, which was an awesome scene. Um, five, Asaz Ventress helping Quinlan Voss and the Jedi. That's because she was getting Quinlan tossed by Quinlan Voss. Um and uh Kylo Ren killing Snoke, number four. I guess was it really heroic? Because he was kind of like, you know, trying to push his own agenda and you know get him to be the Book of Man. Three, Cad Bane saving Obi-Wan's life. Um, number two, Assassin's Ventress not giving up the bounty to be held captive and married off. Again, some uh, Clone Wars action. A lot of Asaz in this over here. And number one, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren's Redemptions. So they both are tied for number one. That's horseshit. Vader's Redemption was so much better. Agreed.
4: Alright. Star Wars. Three ways each movie in the OT. Original trilogy, folks. Is the best. So let's see what they have to say. Number nine, Star Wars. The original movie has the tightest script. Concur.
2: Uh yes. Because it, you know George didn't know if he was going to make a new one, so he had to you know wrap this up pretty pretty assuredly. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Tar- darker tone is refreshing. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I've said that for decades now. That uh, darker is better. Oh. Return of the Jedi,
4: the extended Jabba-centric opening is the trilogy's best. Mm -hmm. The extended one? I don't about that. Let me read this. The Jabba-centric opening. Jabba. Jabba. Maxi, Priest, and Jabba. Um, (laughs) Jabba. uh, Jabba Jabba-centric opening act of Return of the Jedi feels like its own little Star Wars episode with Jabba the Hutt as the main antagonist in the battle over the Great Prid of Karp Carcoon. As the climatic set, uh, set piece, it reintroduces all the heroes with a clear goal, save Han. The sequence has its own three-act story structure. In the first act, everyone arrives at Jabba's palace by one by one to save Han. In the second act, all their plans fail. In the third act, Jabba takes them all out to the desert to be executed, where Luke leads a revolt that brings down the notorious Hut's criminal empire.
2: You know you're gonna die here. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's such a great line. Uh, Star Wars, it's a standalone piece. We mentioned that. Uh, what we said before is a tight script. Empire Strikes Back. Han and Leia, the saga's best romance. Of course, it's their only romance. Well, yeah, I guess a saga meaning all nine parts. Uh, Return of the Jedi. All unified. All the. Oh, it unified all the stories' themes. Okay. Number three, Star Wars blowing up the Death Star is a glorious finale. Okay. Number two, Empire Strikes Back, I am your father. is truly a shocking twist. What a twist. Number one, Return of the Jedi. Vader's redemption is the saga's greatest emotional climax. Agreed. Okay. Next. Oh, my list? Yes.
2: Okay, here we go. Uh, top 10 villains ranked in the Star Wars universe. Number 10, General Grievous. Hello there. General number, Kenobi. Number 9, Grand Admiral Thrawn. I think he's going to pop up this list a little further based off the, the Ahsoka story. Uh, number 8, Kylo Ren. Ooh, I kind of to disagree with that. I think he's a little low down the list over there. He was super complicated and complex and good. Seven Asaz Ventress. Six, Krasia, Darth Treya. Uh, I don't know why Darth Treya is above any above these fucking people. That's ridiculous in general. Sorry. Uh, Boba Fett number five. Okay. Number four, Darth Maul. All right. we've we'll crack it top four. Number three, Moff Gideon. Interesting that he's so high up the list. Higher than uh, Asajj, higher than Kylo. Yeah. Uh, number two, Emperor Palpatine. And number one, Kathleen Kennedy. So, I mean, Darth Vader. <laughs>
4: Uh, uh, really, they put Vader over Palps?
2: Vader's over everybody, baby.
4: Jesus Christ.
2: I guess they're not counting in Rise of Skywalker's canon.
4: 10 best characters in the Empire Strikes Back. Let's see. Number 10. Hmm. Yoda. You seek Yoda. Number 9. Bosk. Number 8. Palpatine. Number seven, C3PO. Number six, Chewbacca. Number five, Lando. Four is Han. Three is Leia. Two is Vader. Number one, Luke
2: Skywalker. Yep. Surprise.
4: Not at all. That's it. That's all the lists.
2: I think that's all the lists.
4: Well ladies and gentlemen, if you have any lists that you like or you want to give us your input on said list that we said tonight, just email us newforceorder at Yahoo dot com. So uh Doc, you wanna do it from a certain point of view? You
2: want
4: a topic? Uh I think I do.
2: Shoot, let's do it.
4: All right, hold on a second.
2: Okay.
3: There you go.
2: Please introduce from a certain point of view, Doc. On this segment of New Force Order, called "From a Certain Point of View," lifted directly from that line, shitty, shitty line Obi Wan Kenobi gives Luke Skywalker as he's sitting on the on the uh, little rock in fucking a uh, um, Dagobah, Dagobah, where he tells him, uh, uh, "You told me that Darth Vader killed my father uh, when Darth Vader was born." the good hero known as Anakin Skywalker died. So what I told you is true from a certain point of view. So we look at a scene, a line, a spot in Star Wars that at some point meant something to you or meant nothing to you. But then when more info comes out, you think about it a little bit more. It may mean something completely different from a certain point of view. All right, this
4: week's topic, Doc, you might like this one. Did Darth Vader die because the absorption of lightning from Palpatine in Return of the Jedi or because he was finally at peace when he turned to the light. Hmm. You want to go first? Sure. Many, many in 83 and years to come have speculated and have believed that the reason why Vader died is because he was an old man and the lightning was too much for him to bear on his body physically. And he knew his time was up. That's why he wanted to see his son with, uh, with his own two eyes. But new information has hit the forefront. And stating that the reason why he died is because he was finally at peace with himself. And he wasn't behind the eight ball like he was his entire life. Um, Sith feet off of pain. And Agony. Uh, they do this for power. In the latest Vader comic, Palpatine stated to Vader when showing him the huge kyber crystal. Yes, yeah. X- X- it's my huge
2: kyber crystal. Yeah. If,
4: if you walk with, I can't even do his voice. If you walk with me, you will never escape from the pain. But sounds like my ex-wife. <laughs> you, if you walk with me, you'll never escape from the from this pain but you will be able to share my power. So with that being said, that one line just changes the whole scope of everything because Vader, uh, Anakin killed
0: uh,
4: the Sand people when they Mm -hmm. killed his mother. His mother died. Then, uh, so he was a slave when he was young to Wado. Then he was a slave to the Jedi Order. We said in the past, then he became a slave to Palpatine. Uh, before he became a full fledged servant to the Shivi Pops, he killed uh sand people, and then he killed younglings. Um and he was part of Order 66 with the clone troopers. Now, all that being said, he was also a slave to this hate. And then when he became Darth Vader, finding out Palpatine lied to him about his son. He was a slave to hate even more because he hated Palpatine. Hence why he went to Exegol to go fight him and destroy him and then realizing he's too powerful. And then he became a slave to him even more, having to play the role when he didn't want to play the role. I said, you know, just like we just stated in uh, the Vader comic and after all that all that is said and all that is done, he realizes he, in order to take out Palpatine, he has to kill him, throw him down a reactor shaft, And he did. And once he did, it looked like he lost his will to live because he, he wasn't hating anymore. He was more inclined to be at peace because every obstacle that was placed in front of him has been diminished. So poetically, I'm going to go with the second choice
2: that he died because he released all his hate because he had no more hate. To, he had no more fucks to give. No, he had no mm-hmm. more hates to give. So yeah, it's an interesting concept. Um, I'm, I'm going to go the exact opposite way. I'm going to say that it was the, the stress and the strain of all that, the battle between him and Luke that drained him a lot. And also the, you know, him getting zapped by the being literally directly next to Palpatine when he's releasing all that force lightning, uh, because, Vader's lived without hate in the past, you know. He he's he was Anakin, who when he was a kid, he knew that life where you know he was with the Jedi and he wasn't hating anybody. Yeah, he had in his heart to do that. And, you know, Yoda had seen that that was a possibility from him, but it wasn't like that was his, um, you know, his 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 potential fate. He could have avoided that. Um, I think he was strong enough to live. I just think that, uh, especially with. Breaking free, and I, I don't. I don't think the hate that he had, and once he finally let it go, killed him. Because I think if he would have let it go, it would have given him more of a will to live than less of a will to live. Um, that's just my opinion.
4: Yeah, that's fine. That's why it's from a certain. Especially if
2: he knew he had a sister.
4: Yeah. Well, we've seen we've seen in the past where hate has made other people um powerful. Uh, Case in point, kept him all alive. That's why he didn't die. Um, And considering that Vader was always pissed off in a bad mood because his suit hurt. It was itchy. Yeah, it was itchy like Velcro. And obviously him feeling like he's been bamboozled by CB Palps added some, uh, another level of levity and hate to the already uh, – uh, powder keg that was ready to blow, which we know as Darth Vader. So, you know, I see it from your point of view, I see it from my point of view, and that's a good thing. We can talk about this and have a civil discussion. So, what do you think, Spiro? Do you think Darth Vader died because of the electricity? Or do you think he died because finally, after taking out all the people that that he wanted dead, he had no more hate left in him, and that's why he died?
1: Personally, I feel that Vader finally found some sort of peace and shit within him. And I think he let go of the hate, man. You know, Uh, he let go of whatever was, you know, of any Sithness or, you know, he, he just let go of the dark side, you know, when he started to feel the love for his son. You know, listen, man, there was always a part of Anakin still in there, man. Anakin, I don't think Anakin was ever totally gone man i don't think he ever totally turned man you know what i'm saying to the dark side i feel i felt that he was sort of juggling both both sides i think he had a foot and a half on the dark side though of things you know but there was still a piece of him there was still good in him always you know um i think we saw that many times throughout his fucking life as darth vader in the comics and legends and things that are canon. Um, you know, I think he just fucking let go. He, he succumbed to, to the injuries, man. And he went in peace, you know? And he, he probably died with a lot of regret, but you know, he got to have that moment with his son, never with his daughter, which, you know, sucks. <laughs> but, uh, what are you going to do, man? You know, I don't know. Maybe if he'd have, you know, maybe if he'd have fully turned and fully gave himself to the dark side, maybe he would still be alive. Maybe he would have kicked his fucked farm boy son, you know, and he, he would have died back then. And maybe Ryan Ryan Johnson wouldn't be able to fuck him up in the Last Jedi. But I digress. Anyways. I feel that he let go of the hate, he, he found peace, and he succumbed to the injuries sustained by the uh, force of lightning.
4: Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, well, Doc, anything else you want to add? I think that's it, brother. All right, well, let's just just take it home. Let them know where they can find you at. Blow you this popsicle me. stand.
2: You can find me at Dr. destroyo d e s t r o y o Instagram, Alex Royo, MD on Facebook, and us, Twitter, and alexroyo on Facebook.
4: You can find me, oh, eat, uh, Spiro. Where can they find you at?
1: You can also find me every Friday on the on the Rational Rage podcast, on the Rational Rage Network, it's a show where people come on, they hang out. We have a few drinks, and we talk about anything. Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spiriton, and that's it, guys.
4: Oh, I know it's great. It's always been great. Right, Doc? It's been great, guys. It's been great. It's been, it's been great. great. It's been great. Spiro, the Darth Sith Lord, says, "Guys, it's been great." Uh, you can find me at Greek God Papadon on Twitter and Face and uh, Fuck. <laughs> you can find me at Greek God Papadon on Twitter and Instagram. Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek God Papadon is the YouTube channel. Subscribe, no- hit a notification bell, like, comment, all that jazz. Also, go to Proasti slash Greek God Papadon ggp t-shirts and be the coolest kid at the remote learning school with your ggp shirt on um more importantly you can find three of us together at in the underscore podcast on twitter new force order on uh instagram and official new force order on facebook ladies and gentlemen thank you for giving us your time your ears hopefully we enlightened you we entertained you and uh We got Star Wars, just a little bit more over with you because as a whole, the NFO does not try to get themselves over on Star Wars. So, uh, thank you for the time. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. This has been another fun-filled, action-packed, fully stacked edition of the New Force Order. For Laffer.
2: And that's just too small.
4: Henceforth, you shall be known as the New Force Order.